0: My turn kicked off this segment in this little series of Revealing Christ. And uh, it's a beautiful, powerful presentation. If you didn't get to be here or listen to it yet, you want to reach back. It was two Sundays ago, the first Sunday of April. Powerful, uh, <clears throat> insightful presentation regarding Revealing Christ. I picked up on it last week, and I want to continue this week about Revealing Christ. And uh, matter of fact, we'll probably stay on this theme just for a few weeks longer and look at some different aspects of what it means to have Christ revealed to the world. When we look at the resurrection and recognize that it certainly was a historic event, and the resurrection struck fear in the hearts of those who crucified him, and it also confused the followers of Jesus Christ. Although Jesus had given prophetic clues, they were devastated at his death, and they were somewhat confounded at his resurrection. The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, agree on the fundamental events of the resurrection, although they have a little different approach, and some, each one has certain details that the other ones didn't record. But they agree on the basics of what the resurrection was all about, although their verbiage is slightly different. Jesus was the Lamb of God that came to this world. He was crucified. He died. He was buried. On the third day, he rose. And Several women left for the tomb early in the morning. They found the stone rolled away, and they found the tomb empty of Christ's body. The angel spoke to them that he had risen, The women fled from the tomb. They were afraid, and the disciples were not quite prepared for this death, although Jesus had spoken of it, and they were somewhat confused about what it all meant. What a glorious, glorious thing it is to us. I try to put myself, if though I was back there in that day, I think I would have been along with the rest of the disciples somewhat confused, like, what's going on? I heard Jesus refer to several prophetic scriptures from the Old Testament, and then he himself, out of his own heart, he had spoken and given several clues as to what was about to happen. But it was just too much. They were overwhelmed by it. As I was thinking about it this week, I thought it might be helpful for us to take a look at the broader picture and to reach back. We live in this timeline, okay? God, while he created time, he works within time, works with humanity within time, but he's not limited to time. And he always was. Christ always was, is, and will be. So when we look at the person of Jesus Christ, often we go to the Gospels and we see Christ within time. And it's appropriate to do so because the scripture says in the fullness of time came, then he was sent to the world. But I want to step back just for a few moments. I believe we did it, well, we did it last week as well. And to recognize that Christ always was, and he was the fountain of all life and the mediator of all existence, the center of the whole universe. This this makes the resurrection and the truth and the reality of what took place even more glorious when we recognize the eternal, universal Christ. Christ was revealed to the world in several ways. He was revealed initially through creation. The scriptures even teach us that we can see God in creation. Christ was revealed in the incarnation, that it would be when he came to earth as a human. Christ was revealed in the crucifixion. He was revealed in the Resurrection. Christ was once again revealed in the ascension and in the glorification. I want to take a brief look at several of these today. As it pertains to creation, all of creation illustrates and communicates the life and the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what we see is the substance of Christ in all of creation. As the scripture says, Paul penned these words. That he is in all things, and by him all things are held together. Christ was revealed in the incarnation when he came. And it was, came to earth in the form of a human flesh. And it was God showing love to the world by uniting himself with what he loves most. That's the glory of Christ coming to this world. He came to unite himself with what he loves most and not excluding humanity. He became human, and he actually was raised with a physical but glorified body. So even today, he's fully God, but yet he's human as well. That's somewhat mind-boggling, but it is a reality. But the incarnation was more than a rescue operation that would deliver sinful mankind. It was to bring about the uniting of all of humanity with Father God, Christ Jesus, and Holy Spirit so that all people might have the privilege to share in the communion and the love and the life of the Holy Trinity. If we just see Christ as coming to the cross and he hung on the cross and he rose on the third day, if we see it only for the purpose of forgiving of our sins, then we have a very limited perspective. And it's not nearly as glorious as seeing the bigger picture. The bigger picture is that he came to unite us with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see Christ revealed in the incarnation and the crucifixion. What about the crucifixion of Christ? We actually see in the crucifixion the purest flow of, of love on full display in that Christ voluntarily laid down his life. He wasn't trying to appease an angry God. It was the angry mobs. We are the ones. And Peter makes this so clear. You're the ones that crucified him. You put him on the cross. It was our anger. It was our rebellion as humanity that put him on the cross. But Christ understood that the way to win is through the laying down of his life. What a powerful model that is. Hope our world could catch that today. We don't win by trying to have power over. We win in life by humbly yielding ourselves to God and humbly serving one another. In that way, we represent Christ best, and we also experience the grace of God in that place of humility to where he lifts us up. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 18, no one has taken it away from me, my speaking of his life, but I lay it down on my own initiative. So on one hand, it was the angry mobs that killed Jesus, but on the other hand, they didn't even have the opportunity except that he came to Jerusalem and yielded to the mission that he was on, and that was to save all of humanity. So I like it when Jesus says here, I I did it on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up, the commandment I received from my Father. I love what um, Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 12, therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. One of the primary messages of Christ Jesus to those who, not only to those who believe, but to the whole world learn to love as I love through the humility and the laying down of your lives one for the other. The world has always been filled with strife. The kingdoms of this world want to have power over other kingdoms. They're striving to be the top dog, to be the superpower. It's the way of the world. It will continue to be that way until Christ Jesus returns in all kingdoms of this world are subjected to him and subdued by him only then we will find absolute peace in the world until then the best influence that we can have is pray that the prince of peace will come to rule and reign over our hearts beginning right here so that we might model what it means to be humble servants and to be ones that are true peacemakers and be ones who, like Christ, walked in sacrificial love. So in Christianity, referring to the cross now, the cross has been a symbol of the atoning death of Christ who took away the sins of the world. Keep in mind that the cross was not a place where God was so angry at human sin and failure that he took out his wrath on Jesus to settle some kind of illegal debt that humans owed him. Um, I've heard it stated similar to that hundreds of times in my life, but I'm pressed to find any scripture on it. And that's why I have to come back to the more fundamental truth, and that it really had to do with Christ's love, God's love for humanity that compelled Jesus to lay his life down. When we look at the cross, it reminds us of the love of God that was revealed to humanity through Christ Jesus. It reveals the heart of God, that his heart was always to include all people. That's why the scripture says in a familiar one that I learned as a little kid, John 3, 16, in this way God so loved the world. God showed love to the world that he sent his only son. It's the heart of a father to want to see every person included It's the heart of every follower of Christ to see everyone included and recognize, as our brother said, that everybody has already been accepted. And the lie of the evil one is to somehow make us believe or to convince us that God doesn't love us, that somehow we are outsiders, and God says, oh no, you've been included in my love. I like the song that we sing sometimes, he's a good, good father. And the scripture tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. The goodness of God, it causes us to turn our face towards him. That's the nature of God that was revealed through the crucifixion. Christ, of course, is the center of the world and the universe. He's always been in union with all humanity. He holds all things together. As the apostle Paul said so clearly... It's in him that we live and move and have our being, he spoke on Mars Hill to people who weren't Christians. They thought Paul was a nutcase as he was down in the streets preaching Christ Jesus. And Paul lets them know, you guys haven't been excluded. You've been included on and accepted all along. They had not yet discovered Christ Jesus. They had not experienced his salvation. So Paul urged them. He says, well, you've been groping about. I want you to turn towards him. And that's the good news of the gospel. You know, Jesus on the cross was a place where heaven and humans came together in this eternal bond. Throughout eternity, Jesus Christ is the intercessor or the meeting place. That's one definition of intercession is it's a meeting place. Jesus is spoken of in scripture as the great intercessor. Hebrews specifically speaks of it. But he's the meeting place. He's the union between humanity, Father, and the Holy Spirit. I was reflecting the last couple of weeks on a couple of different passages of Scripture that I want us to look at today. There's so many I'd love to go to, but we'll not attempt to try to cover all of them. But our next few minutes, let's go to Romans. Now, Paul wrote here. Uh, to the Christians at Rome, but Paul, in writing to the Christians at Rome, not only wanted them just to relish the goodness of God in their own personal salvation, but he wanted them to catch some revelation, some understanding of Christ's heart for all of humanity, And you'll actually see that throughout the different uh, Pauline epistles, as we call them, the letters that he wrote to the different churches. It's not like every word that he says is exclusively about you as one who have discovered Christ and are a believer. He often refers to this thing, refers to all of humanity. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10, let's just kind of walk through a few of these scriptures here. In verse 10, for if while we, who were enemies, were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Who's the we? How many are enemies? Just the people that are now believers? Are they the only ones that were enemies? In other words, all of us were at enmity against God in our carnality, in our self-centeredness. It was an opposition against God. So Paul is speaking here of all of humanity. So the we here is all humans. And that's inclusive of past, present, and the future. We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we, all humans, shall be saved by his life. Now, the we in both cases here is speaking to the same group of people. And we know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? We got that one down. Our world's kind of a mess. And we're part of the mess because we have failure. And before we encountered Christ, man, it was just like reckless abandonment to do whatever you want. So we were in opposition. We were in darkness. And when you're in darkness, you bump about and things go bad. Things get crazy. There's a lot of damage done when you move about in darkness. And so Paul here is kept giving these Christians some revelation. While we humans were at enmity against God, in our midst of our darkness... Through the death of his son on the cross, much more having been reconciled, or excuse me, uh, we're reconciled to God through his death, and then even much more having been reconciled shall be saved by his life. Not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we, who's we? We only the ones is that we've got to be consistent, follow the scripture. We are still the ones who were at enmity against God, all dead in our sins. And so he says, we now have been reconciled unto God. We've received the reconciliation. It's actually part of what Michael spoke of here a little bit earlier. Sometimes we think we've got to do something to get ourselves reconciled to God, and God said, no, 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 it's already all been done. And Paul makes it so clear. You say, well, well, Paul just kind of like, well, it was probably a slip of, the, slip of the pen there and on this parchment paper. He did it again in Corinthians. He said, everybody has been forgiven their trespasses. Everybody has been reconciled to God. And God doesn't hold trespasses against any person, Second Corinthians chapter 5. One thing about it, Paul's consistent all the way through. And you're going to see it this morning. He's consistent in Romans and Corinthians and Ephesians. He has the same basic message of the goodness of God through Christ Jesus on the cross and the resurrection has caused the, uh, reconciliation for all humanity. Now, that doesn't mean that every person has experienced it. I remember the day when you kind of had the aha moment and you experienced the forgiveness of God, right? Powerful. We call that salvation, call that being saved. But in reality, God didn't say, Well, okay. Now, Billy decided today he turned his face towards God, and so he wants to be reconciled to God. And so the Godhead, they look at each other and say, Hey, what are we going to do today to get Billy reconciled with God? Billy says, God, God, what do I do to be reconciled? And they go, That's already done at the cross. You were already forgiven. Welcome, Billy. We want you to know and to affirm that yes, indeed, it was settled at the cross. You were forgiven. And God's life and his presence have been offered to you. Now step into and receive the glorious living truth and reality and the experience of salvation. All humans have been reconciled to God? Let's go to verse 12. Therefore, just as one man's sin entered the world and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We get that one really well. Most all of us as Christians, this is an easy one. We all recognize that, hey, we've all sinned. We've messed up pretty bad. We know what guilt and shame is about. And we understand that, yeah, because of Adam's fall, that sin came into the world, is into the cosmos, and now sin comes at everybody. And even though babies are born in this innocence, this pure state before God, at some point, they will fail, falter, sin, they need a savior too. And every person follows the same path because of the vulnerability that we have in life. Look at verse 15. The free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, who's the one? Help me out, somebody. Adam. By the transgression of the one, the many died. Much more did the grace and the gift of the grace of the one man, now he identifies Jesus Christ, it abounds to the many. The many in the first part is the same many in the last part. Right? I love the scriptures. They're pretty clear sometimes, and sometimes I don't always see them clearly, though. I've read this passage so many times, and over years I keep like, where was that? How come I missed that? The many is the same group of people. The many that died because of the sin of Adam are the same many that have been given the gift and been made righteous in Christ. The same group of people. Not one person was excluded when Christ went to the cross. He didn't hang there on the cross and say, well, this is going to be good for a lot of folks, but some folks aren't. They're not really worthy of my sacrificial love. Thought never occurred to him. You see, love doesn't even think that way. Love doesn't think This went in, that went out. Love recognizes the inclusiveness of the love and the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 18. So then through one transgression, and that would be who again? Adam. There resulted condemnation to all men. Women, you're on the hook too. Even so, through one act of righteousness, who are we talking about? Jesus Christ. There resulted in the justification of life to some, all. Remember, a few verses earlier, the many who sinned are the same many who are reconciled. The all men on this side who were condemned because of sin, It's the same all men, the same all people who've already been justified. When I was a kid, our pastor would put it this way. He says, easy way to remember it. Justification is like, just as if I had never sinned. Very simple, but it was so helpful as a kid. The justification helped me out. Just as if I had never sinned. The slate is clear. So because of Adam, all sinned, all experienced condemnation. But now we have everybody, the same many, the same all people, experiencing justification. Let's go to verse 19. For as through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners... And through the obedience of one, the many will be made righteous. He didn't say some. He said the many. The same group of people. You can read it in different versions. It's all the same. And we go, hold it. This is too easy. You mean God just did that for everybody? She, religious Religion tells us. Here's a good God, here's what he did, and here's what you need to do to gain a place in his heart. That's always religion. All religions of the world do that. Sadly, Christianity sometimes can be presented in a similar fashion. As if though, well, but you need to do this, and you need to believe, and you need to confess, and you need... Yeah, those are all elements of relationship, is the yielding, etc. But the reality is, is that God so loved the world, God looks at humanity and says, I've got this. I've got it. Everything's going to be okay. I've got it. Now, because of Adam's sin, all humans end up in sin and they need a savior. It's interesting to me to note, now... that as a little child you could take a beautiful little infant a little toddler and say okay now johnny you do have the option of being perfect in life if you try really hard and never sin you'll just remain perfect before the god and your innocence can go with you all of your life what's the chances of that happening not going to happen because Johnny's born with this vulnerability vulnerability, and he's born with this bent, this bent away from the righteousness of God. In essence, he really doesn't have a choice. Yeah, sure, as we get older, yeah, we make choices. We can choose to sin and choose not to sin. But even then, sometimes we find ourselves coming short. We find ourselves struggling. We find ourselves thinking in ways that aren't Christlike is sinful anything that's not aligned with Christ in attitude or thought is sinful we miss the mark but there's no condemnation in that my point simply being is we struggle through life in that but because of Christ's righteousness all have been made righteous we won't have time but go to second corinthians chapter 5 he talks about it again about verse 23 4 in there. You see, we were not forgiven, reconciled to God, and made righteous by our choices. He chose it for us. It was entirely God's love, it's his mercy, and it's grace. Grace is that unmerited favor of God. I think sometimes we may err on the side of, there's something about us, especially in the western world, about this rugged individuality and choice. I want to stay in control of my life and my world. And sometimes we can carry that into a spiritual walk in a very unhealthy way. Now, while Adam had a choice, Eve had a choice, so we do have choice, but let's be careful not to swell our chests too much and think, well, my salvation was because one day... I was just having such a hard time, so I decided that I'm going to be a Christian. You're not even smart enough to know that. Neither am I. It was God's grace and love. There was this connection all along. He was drawing you all along. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'm going to drag all men to me. We're not even smart enough. So any notion that we have that we may need God is the work of the Holy Spirit working within us, drawing us to God. It's, just, it's called grace. It's called mercy. It's called love. So sometimes we can think that, you know, while we learn to cooperate with God and keep a humble yes in our hearts, in that sense, we have choices. But we wouldn't even be able to make those choices to say yes if it weren't for the grace of God. Does that make sense? Oh, we have so many scriptures along this, but not today. Okay. So we see Christ revealed in the creation, incarnation, crucifixion, and let's talk about the resurrection. The incarnate Son not only died, he rose from the dead, having conquered sin and death itself. What happened to us in the resurrection? What happened to humanity in his resurrection? When Christ rose from the dead, did he leave humanity in the grave? Because we know that he took our sins with him upon the cross and to the grave. That's where he took our sins. He took our sins. Yeah. Crucified with Christ. That's what we celebrate in water baptism. And being buried with Christ in water baptism and then raised to newness of life. Okay? And so here we have this truth. Did did He leave you and me, the human race, in a spiritual grave without hope? Well, I took your sin. Yahoo! You see, when the son came forth from the grave, did not the whole human race come forth with him, quickened with new life and renewed in the spirit into living hope? Remember what Christ did. Paul just goes in detail about this. What he did for one, he did for all. Whether we yet realize it, whether we have yet received the gift of salvation or not, he's done it for all. And when we recognize us, that takes away the snooty attitude of them and us. Well, I'm in. Are you in? No. Everybody was included. When he hung on the cross, everybody was included. When he went to the grave, he took the sins, and when he rose again, all of humanity was raised. See, sometimes we look at Christ as something that He did for us. In reality, he did with us. There's a whole boatload of scriptures on this, and I don't have time to go to them today. That's why Paul says, you were crucified with Christ. You're like, what do you mean? I wasn't there. He did it with us. You see, sometimes religion looks at things in a weird way. We look at objects, and we in this case, we can look at people and go, well, that was really nice that God way out there sent his son and sent him to a cross, and he did this nice deed for us. <laughs> and while there's truth in that statement, the reality is when he came to earth, he infused himself with humanity. When he goes to the cross, he did with us. That's why Apostle Paul, so Paul said, you were crucified with Christ. I, I have a hunch Paul knows some few things that I don't know. And he lets us in on some of those. And I'm like, wow, where'd you get that one, Paul? In like manner, when he was raised from the grave, he brought newness of life to all of humanity. And yet much of humanity is still in darkness. But this is where prayer comes in. This is where the good news comes in. This is why we're told to go spread the good news. The good news that Christ died not only for you, but with you. He included you. He took your sin. The good news, he was raised the newness of life, and he even raised up all of humanity, and he wants you to discover and to partake of his nature and to participate in salvation. And experience the glorious presence that's life changing and brings deliverance to our lives. Is it possible, concerning the ascension, that when the Son ascended to the Father, He took the whole human race with Him? And right then and there, the human race was welcomed by the Father, accepted, embraced because of this union with Christ. We were never created outside of Christ. We've never been outside of Christ as humankind. It's not possible because you can't be self-existent as a religion of humanism purports. Not possible. That's a lie from the dark side that somehow you're self-existent. You're in Christ in the sense that You've always been included. You may not have fellowship with him. You may not have actually uh, have interaction and communion with him. But there is this holy divine union between Christ and humanity. Let's wrap up with this scripture. And allow the Holy Spirit just to um, stir our hearts. Ephesians chapter 2, 4 to 10. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead, spiritually speaking. When Jesus went to the cross, all of humanity was dead in their sin and transgression. And Apostle Paul says, even when all of us as humans were dead. He didn't say... All of you who I'm writing to today, this one's only about you at Ephesus. No, if it was true for the people of Ephesus, it was true for the people of Rome. It was true for the, all of humanity. Even when we, the human race, were dead in our sins, we know that he was talking about everybody because everybody is dead in their sins. Until they behold the risen Christ, And turn their hearts towards him and say, yes, I confess you as Savior and Lord. Until that moment, we're like, we're blind. And so he said, Paul said, even when we were in our transgressions, while in that state, we were made alive in Christ. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Do you ever notice that Paul never once says that you, that it's when you pray your prayer to receive Christ that's when all of a sudden the Godhead get together and go, "Hey, man, we have got to make Jordan alive now." He just prayed. From God's perspective, he was already forgiven. From God's perspective, he was already made alive, but he wasn't in the flow. He wasn't catching. It. He hadn't experienced the salvation of the Lord until the Holy Spirit was working he turned his face towards God and repentance and yes and then all of a sudden wow and what I've learned is that for some people that happens incrementally along the way little by little the eyes are opened and for others it's like this bam it's like this power encounter it's like whoa what just happened kind of like the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus right So Paul says, even when we were dead, we were made to live with Christ, made alive with Christ, because, and you have to insert this again. You can read it in any version, because by grace are you saved. He's reminding us your salvation isn't based upon your goodness because you're so smart one day. No, no, he already forgave you. It's based upon his grace. Forgiveness is a foregone conclusion. Being made alive in Christ was something that he did. It's not like, well, because I chose, now Christ made me alive. No, he already made me alive. I was just blind to the reality of what was. Totally blind, totally blind, lost, wandering about in darkness. Not only did he make us alive, he raised us up and he seated us with him in heavenly places. So at the ages to come... Might show the surpassing riches of grace. You know what's so beautiful when we do have an awakening—that the drawing of the Spirit and we open our eyes, we see Christ, we embrace Him, confess Him as Savior and Lord. All of a sudden, we realize, "Oh my goodness, I'm smack dab in the circle of life with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." I didn't realize. I I, I never realized. You mean I've been, this gift has been for me all along? I've been included all along? I wish that I had known earlier. I wish somebody would have come and shared the good news with me earlier. Or I wish that I would have responded. I remember multiple people coming to me. This is amazing, glorious, that I've already been accepted. I've already been included at the cross. I was included with the resurrection of life, resurrection of Christ. I didn't know it. I've been missing out on this all along. When was humanity made alive? When did he raise us up? When were we seated with him? Guys, Paul goes to great lengths here. These passages and multiple others happened at the cross happened at the resurrection for everyone. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful that by the grace of God the workings of his spirit brought you to a place where you recognize this wonderful gift of Christ Jesus. That your righteousness is in Christ. It's not in a religious pursuit but it's in Christ where we find the freedom of from spiritual death. And it's mind blowing. To recognize it already all happened. 2000 years ago. Where have I been? I've had numerous people over. In, in my life. and <clears throat> or During the course of my life. Who had come to Christ. And years and years down the road. And, and just lived a life of their own. And encountered Jesus Christ one day. And we're sitting having coffee. And they're like. Oh my gosh, where have I been, Galen? What's wrong with me? And then, then sometimes the regret, the years I've wasted. In some cases, and the part that makes me most sad is some. I've had people tell me, "No one ever told me this." I've lived here all of my life, and no one ever told me. Why? And for others. People tried to tell me. My grandma tried to tell me. My daddy tried to tell me. And I bowed my neck and went my own way. This is what I missed. You mean, I I could have had all of this, this intimate fellowship, and the safety and the security and the lifting of the shame and the guilt. I could have had it all along. Yeah, George, all along. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You belong to him. You turned your heart towards him. You've experienced his salvation. And God is one who can restore. And he will restore all the brokenness of your life. So we're so privileged to be invited. We're so privileged to have the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And the privilege to choose to participate. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I love that line. Will you say it with me? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. I even got my little King James in there. <laughs> thou shalt be saved has a nice tone to it, even though I don't hardly read King James anymore. Guys, just think about this as we wrap up. Faith is not something we do. That gets us reconciled, justified, included, adopted, and redeemed. Jesus has already done it for us. That's the good news of Easter. Faith is like the eye, it does not create, it only sees what is already a reality. faith is like the eye it does not create it only sees what is already a reality when we choose to participate in salvation and we recognize we've been missing out in the glorious good news of Christ we respond we believe that isn't the moment that God says, What are we going to do? We have to figure out how we're going to forgive that guy. He's messed up pretty bad. We gotta have a meeting here. This, listen, he was extraordinarily bad. Son, when can time can you meet? Not till eleven thirty. Well it's already nine thirty. We're gonna make him wait two hours. It was done at the cross. Well, well, we got to figure out how we're going to get him new life. I mean, we gotta, we got to do something about this because he's really desperate right now. He's crying out to God. He's been walking his own way. He's 53 years old, and he's desperate right now. Holy Spirit say, what are you guys going to do? I've been working on him, and what are you going to do about this? Father says, chill. When my son went to the cross and when he raised again, he raised all of humanity, the newness of life, He was just walking in darkness. We don't have to do anything. It's already finished. It's already settled. It's already done. Already done. Easter is simply about the newness of life in Christ. And he invites everybody, the whole world, to experience him. And the more that I get to walk with God, and the more I get to learn of his ways, and the more I give myself to the scriptures, the more I realize, like, this amazing love, how can it be that my king would die for me, but not only die for me, take my sin, but he rose and gave me newness of life. And it wasn't until I was 10 years old that I discovered the newness of life that he had already offered to all of humanity. And at age 10, I said yes. I felt the wooing of the Spirit. I said yes. I moved to a level of not just being included, but to a level of intimacy, of fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Spirit, by choosing to participate, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and kindness. Today, as we're all sitting here, and some are watching online today, I want to say to all of us: you've been included all along. Been included my god in your creation is about his love the incarnation that he came and infused himself with all of humanity including you and me going to the cross he included all of us he took all of our sin the sin of actually everybody in the world it's already been dealt with and at the resurrection he raised humanity to newness of life even though we May perhaps not all of us have yet discovered that. Thank you, though, for the drawing of your spirit. I want to encourage any one of us today in this room who is watching online to simply say yes to the tug of the Holy Spirit. As Paul the Apostle said, Christ was revealed in me. There was already the connection by virtue of creation and incarnation. But Christ was revealed. In me. Simply say yes. I say yes. To experience the glorious gift of salvation. I say yes. To the gift of life eternal. And the freedom. In Christ Jesus. Only believe. Believe. And confess him as Lord. Jesus, you are king. And I say you are my Lord. Can we say that together? Jesus, you are king. And you are my Lord. And You're actually Lord of all the earth. Even for those who have not yet discovered your Lordship. We pray. That this day, millions will experience the salvation through Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless. Let's stand up together and I pray that you have a wonderful, blessed day. Easter Sunday, 2022. Let's go our way this week and be bearers of goodness. Jesus has done it all for everyone. He wants everyone to know that they've already been included in his love and mercy and to simply turn towards him and believe on him. That's the gospel. Let's go forth in the grace and peace of the Lord. Have a super blessed week. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday.